Yo, Chad, what if I told you there's a platform that could completely revolutionize your hiring strategy in a matter of hours? Yeah, I'd call bullshit. Well, it's not bullshit with AI for jobs powered by our friends at This Way Global. Okay, I'm listening. Uh, While everyone else is fishing in the same old talent pools, AI for Jobs can source over 160 million diverse candidate profiles. This Way Global has established unique partnerships with over 8,500 trusted diversity partners. So wait a minute. All of the hard on-the-ground work is already done. That's right, Cowboy. You can discover 300 qualified candidates per job rack instantly. Wow. It's like having a candidate sourcing magic wand. (laughs) Dude, if you had a magic wand, you would have Mexican pizzas all day. Mm. Uh, Stop distracting me, Sowash. AI for Jobs Advanced Matching Algorithm analyzes past applicants using trillions of historical matching events and over 1,600 data points. Now that is what AI should be doing, saving recruiters time on sourcing while they provide a white glove candidate experience. Let's wrap this shit up. I'm hungry. Listen up, kids. Revolutionize your hiring process today by jumping over to thiswayglobal.com and checking out AI for Jobs, where you can learn more about how to leverage AI for your recruiting instead of just writing poems and grocery lists. That is thiswayglobal.com. We out. Hide your kids. Lock the doors. You're listening to HR's most dangerous podcast. Chad Sowash and Joel Cheeseman are here to punch the recruiting industry right where it hurts. Complete with breaking news, brash opinion, and loads of snark. Buckle up, boys and girls. It's time for the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Oh, yeah. What's up, everybody? We are back live from Unleashed World in Paris, France. And we are just giddy to welcome... Zev Eigen. Eigen. To the Spartan. Show. He is uh, founder and what? Chief Science Officer. That's very, very official at Cindio. Founder, though, too, right? Yeah, I'm the founder. For those that don't know Zev, first welcome to the show. The chubbier, less hairy version of me, apparently, from what he uh, explained. No, no, no. 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 He's the less hairy version of you. He's the chubbier version of me. I'm the after picture for you, Chad. And then I'm... The before picture for me? Maybe. I don't know. The, the hairless version. I don't know. I'm trying to help you guys out. Yeah. Come on, man. It's way too early with the time change <laughs> for me to know what the hell's going on. You'll remember Cindio kids, as we actually interviewed... And if not, go to the archives. Maria Colacorcio. And I, don't, I never say that right, but it's... I, you I can try. still give us an elevator pitch. Pretty amazing. Sure oh, no. We, we definitely want to. She's the CEO. You actually said to me... Off camera. I'm the smart one. I think that's what he said. <laughs> that's what I said. <laughs> said the smart one, yes. No, she's the smart one. I'm not. That uh, she was your, your best hire. Uh, we have a lot of great hires. Maria's one of many, but yeah. She's very, very smart. Yeah, Maria's amazing. You can't put him on the spot like that. Of course I can. Okay, I guess that's she what can. what the podcast is for. As you know, I will be honest with you, but Maria, Maria for sure, there's, I got nothing to hide. She's amazing, yeah. amazing leader, amazing hire. I'm so excited that she's our CEO. So let's just dig into that just really quick. She was at Starbucks. She helped them get to pay equity, right? She actually tried, I mean, the, her program, Kind of. So uh, the connection there. Can we get the elevator pitch? Not before yet. We get, not yet. Not you want yet, that not first? Yet. Or you want no, this no, no, first? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Right. So founded in 2016, and we were doing a CEO search in 2017. Uh-huh. 
And at the same time, I was pitching to everyone, including Starbucks, and I, I knew Rob Porcarelli at Starbucks and was trying to get him to become a, a licensee, you know, buy our software on behalf of Starbucks. Yeah. And um, at the time, we were an ONA tool, an organization, organizational network analysis tool, and we had a nascent pay equity tool. And I said, I showed Rob the ONA tool, and he, I said, hey, let me demo this pay equity software we got. It's new. Unbeknownst to me, um, he and Maria were conspiring. So Maria and Rob <laughs> were both at, at Starbucks. They were conspiring to start their own startup that did pay equity. And the story goes, and I'm not, this is secondhand, so I don't know, but I was told, Maria told him, ah, don't worry. Like, this guy's a lawyer. He's not, they can't make products that are useful or good. Like, don't worry about it. We're just going to see it. It's we'll, a good point. We'll just do our own thing. Don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, So the short version of the story is I demoed the product for uh, the early version of the product for Rob and Maria and was trying to, at some point, work with both of them in any way, right? Any, any way possible. Maria came on as a consultant uh, to help with marketing and positioning and messaging because her background is in comms. And I really, really liked her from the start. She's a hustler. She works incredibly hard. And I think she has all the qualities of what uh, we really need in a CEO. Every company needs a leader like Maria, truthfully. She's great. So when we were doing the CEO search, we did a, a formal search. We were looking at people with lots of CEO experience. Maria's never been a CEO before. And um, several of us on the board were lobbying very hard to have to give Maria a shot, which was, I think, a very smart move. And I think we've hired a lot of people at Cindio like that who didn't have their past role or past whatever in that exact role. But you look for qualities, look for things that matter and less indexed on like, oh, were you a CEO for a company before? Then you can be a CEO now. Nonsense. Like there are plenty of CEOs for companies I would never hire in a million years. So why should that be a requirement for this job? So now the genesis of what is Cindio, right? Give sure. us the genesis of Cindy. Yeah, so we're a workplace equity platform. That's the short version. And, and like I said, there's That's really... big right now. Well, I hope so. Yeah, I mean, it's, we've been growing a lot and we're very good at seeing around corners. So we've, we've been building to where the puck goes in that famous uh, Wayne Gretzky quote. Very nice, very nice. But the idea is there are only three levers you can pull if you're trying to treat your people at your company consistently, objectively, fairly, and equitably. So coffee, C-O-F-E. Only three levers. You've got comp, so you can fix how you're paying people. You can adjust your headcount, your people. You can you know, hire more people in certain roles or levels. And policies, you can adjust policies. So we help companies identify which lever to pull and how to pull those levers in a way that's optimal, fair, equitable, to help companies comply with laws and regulations that are always evolving. There is an HR component to this, so how you attract and retain your top talent. And then there's a PR component. We have lots of companies who are either afraid of negative press or want to be heralded as doing the right thing. Yeah. And, and of course, there's just ethics. And I think there are a lot of leaders, especially now with ESG, like we were talking about before, where um, it's a board component. It's a kind of component of how they need to be as a company. Like that model of being like capital, no matter what, at all costs and screw everybody, screw the employees are just a resource, like a resource to be Gordon Gecko, destroyed. Baby. Like, I don't think that model is a good one. And you see it with this tight talent market. That's why it's a big thing, because ah. you can't get away with that kind of business model these days, I don't think. Whether you like it or not, it's it's coming. And I, I want to talk about the pay transparency piece. And we talk quite a bit on the show about whether it's government regulation around salary uh, has to be on job postings or at least a salary range. We talk about Indeed, you know, putting a range on there, whether you put it on uh, as the employer or not. Forcing the issue. What are you guys seeing from your vantage point in regards to uh, employers embracing this? hating this. Yeah. Uh, what's your take? And by the way, now you have EU regs. You know, we're sitting here in, in Paris. Yeah. Um, there are EU regs on transparency that are really, really uh, increase the enforcement regime for that and require employers to share a lot of information. 
Look, I, I'm a big fan of transparency. Cindy is a big fan of transparency. The thing that I find fascinating about this is just like anything else, you talk to recruiters who say, this is impossible. We can't do this. We can't, we can't recruit if we have to have these constraints. And then sure enough, they start complying. They start doing it. And amazingly, it actually improves how they can attract and recruit people. Yeah. Why? Yeah. This idea of blind bidding in a negotiation process as a person who's looking for a job is bananas bad. It's so bad. Think about this. So if I hold all the cards, I'm hiring you, right? You're a prospect. I'm going to hire you. I know exactly what the range is for my job. Like you're going to be an engineer. The range is between 100 and 150. Uh-huh. I know that. You, you, you have no idea what that nut range right. is, right? And I say to you, what did you make at your prior job? Now, that's a fraught question. And no matter what you say, it's going to be like, you have no idea what my range is. Yeah. What if I ask you for expectations? I said, what's your expectation? Blind bid. What's your expectation of this job? Now, you're hoping. What's your requirement? What you're, you're going to get within my range. I, don't, you know, I know my range. You don't. Oh, yeah. So no matter what you say, it's a bad situation. Let's say you come back and say 140. I go, offer accepted. Offer accepted. You got it. You walk away going, oh, my God. How much money on the table? You have no yeah. idea what the range is. Yeah. Now, right. what if you say 200? I go, ooh, greedy, greedy, greedy. No, no, no. Now you're like, oh my God, they hate me. I'm greedy. I'm a jerk. I, I, I overbid. There's no conversation you've ever had or anyone's ever had where you're asked that question, blind bid, where you walk away feeling good. Why are you trying to make people you want to hire feel crappy day one? It's the dumbest thing conceptually. <laughs> it is. But people don't get it. So yeah. I think transparency is great. But companies do it. Why? To get a better deal. To, Why, get, a, yeah, they, to get 150 for 80 well, some of it's better deal. Yeah. Some of it's status quo. This is how they've done it in the past. And, and I've heard recruiters say it's a way of avoiding wasting time. This is wrong. The better way to avoid wasting time, and by the way, you can look at Cindio's website. We do this. Yeah. We say the range for the position is between X and Y. We base the difference in that range on A, B, and C criteria, like how many years of experience you have or your educational, whatever it is, legitimate mm. things. Uh -huh. So if you come in and think, okay, I want to interview for this job, you know what the range is. So now if I ask about expectations or what you think or why, you know how it's not a blind bidding situation. That's all it is. It's just switching the timing of the questions from blind bid to like having some information to then have a conversation. All the difference. That's step one. And that's for anybody coming into the organization. What about all the inequity that's already happening in the organization? So that's where math helps, right? Because what this is, <laughs> well, this is what Sinio does, right? So we help you figure out where the problems are and fix the problems, okay. find and fix. And then in terms of maintain, yeah. So we've got a product for this. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to sell the software, but like we built a product. It's called PayFinder. It helps you identify precisely what the range is that's optimal. That's both internally equitable yeah. and optimal from like a market perspective. So that, I mean, software helps. So yeah, at that point, a company can actually start to focus on the equity piece yeah. so that you can start like, if, if you have females that are getting paid $10,000 less per year, you can start to at least try to make that up. I would say first level the playing field. Like uh -huh. best practice would be to identify those groups where you have that historical inequity, identify that, figure out who is who are the right people um, within that subpopulation who need to be fixed, right? Yeah. Your comp fixed. Yeah. And then after that, now you have a level playing field. Now when you're hiring, you know the range. We, we can show you mathematically the range that's safe for you to hire people in. And by the way, we say this all the time to companies. Let's say you got to hire Joe. He's the hottest technician on the market. If you don't hire him today, the business is going to collapse into the ocean. And he's demanding, your range is like 100 to 150. He's demanding 200. But you got to hire him because otherwise he's going to go to a competitor and yeah. you're screwed. Yeah. Hire Joe. I'm not saying don't hire Joe, but there's a cost model there. So if you're hiring Joe and he's above that range, our math will show you what that does to other people. And maybe in certain circumstances, mathematically, maybe there are three or four women in that group who also need to be brought up. Yeah. Because yeah. that's not fair to say, oh, Joe, you're going to come in doing the same job as these people. Right. You're creating inequity. So it's just a cost model. 
right? And that goes along with negotiation. So we've always seen research that men negotiate better than women. Women just do not want to negotiate. They just want the job, right? Men are not to mention they'll apply for things where they're not even close to qualified. But anyway, it's the being able to level the, the, the playing field for people who just, they just don't want to fucking negotiate in the first place. Well, also, here's the other question. So I've been at conferences where they subdivide pay equity conversations between like the employer stuff that they can do to fix problems uh-huh. and helping train women, people of color to be better negotiators. That's bullshit. I, I taught negotiation. I love teaching people to be better negotiators. I'm a big fan of the research line, the research you mentioned, Babak on Uh huh. But here's the problem. This is the only area of law that I am aware of, please tell me if I'm wrong, where we put an onus, even, even an assumed onus, on the rights holder to negotiate for their rights. Like think about overtime or wage an hour. Yeah. We say, hey, migrant farm workers, you know what the problem is? You know you're not getting overtime? You're not good at negotiating. Why don't you go to your, your <laughs> boss and be better at negotiating for time and a half? Yeah. No, it's legally mandated. You get time and a half. No one, no one said, no one legislatively has ever said, as far as I know, hey, we should put the burden on the rights holder in wage and hour claims to be better at negotiating for those rights. This is the only area of law where legislators say, hey, we should have training for women to be better at negotiating for this yeah. nonsense. I mean, great. I want people to be better negotiators, but that has nothing to do with the employer getting not this right. This. Not for no. this. Not for this. Great. Negotiate. Please negotiate. Get better at negotiating. I taught negotiation. Please get better. But if, you, if your right is to be paid equitably, the employer is, is the sole burden holder to fi- find those problems and fix those problems. Not, yeah. not the rights holder. That's yeah. bananas. Yeah. So one of my initial thoughts when you were saying that was unions. You need well, yeah. a union. What? what Sure. Where, where are you with unions? Are they Do they have a place in the future? Do they have a place in pay transparency? Or is it all going to technologies and government setting the standards? So I full transparency, I, I was a labor lawyer for a while. I was in-house counsel for 20th Century Fox in the labor relations group. Was that pretty popular with the girls? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I want to say no. Okay. All right. Moving on. You can but, see me in the credits. I'm all the way at the back. Yeah. But... Um, <laughs> You know, labor organizations in Europe are very different than they are in the States. In the States, their roles have, I mean, I wish they would play a bigger role. I feel like sort of this, as the saying goes, they don't miss an opportunity to miss an opportunity. Um, This is one of those things where I'm like, I feel like they could have done more and been more forthright. They've done some work in this space, but not a lot. Yeah. uh, As far as I, I, I can tell, maybe I'm wrong. But for sure, they have a clear place here. In fact, in the EU directive, there are three objectives for the EU directive on pay transparency. One of them is literally enumerated in the statute to increase uh, workers' representatives, the dialogue between the employer and workers' representatives about this issue. So I think here in in the EU, when I say here, I'm talking about the EU, you have way more um, opportunity for workers' representatives and works councils where they already have a place really in this conversation. In the States, I feel like it's, it's like unions miss an opportunity to miss an opportunity. Okay, listener, how can you help your employees become more productive? I have answers. How about automating manual and repetitive tasks, giving meaning to data, then allowing that data to actually drive decisions? And how about matching people to your jobs quicker? Well, wait, the Chat and Cheese has a new LLM? No, Cheeseman, I'm talking about TextKernel. Ah, okay, that makes more sense. What I'm hearing is the groundbreaking concept of, wait for it, yeah, simplicity. <laughs> seriously, though, seriously. Text kernel cuts through the complexities like a tortilla chip through some hot nacho cheese. Oh, my God. Really? Nacho references already. Anyways, Text kernel brings efficiency and productivity to your operations. Text kernel seamlessly unifies your tools and data to drive efficiencies and success. 
TextKernel is creating new opportunities for your recruitment journey. Kind of like adding guac to my barbacoa burrito. Oh my God. How about extracting meaningful insights from data? I mean, that that's something. Swiftly matching yeah. people with jobs, automating repetitive tasks. Who knew such advanced concepts were even possible in the land of human resources? Uh, we did, Chad. We did. Dude, wrap it up. I'm a little hungry. Imagine that. Uh, okay, listener. Get ready to use today's tech to drive efficiencies and productivity. Visit textkernel.com. That's T-E-X-T-K-E-R-N-E-L.com. Mm, nachos. <laughs> Are you struggling to attract the talent you need today? Do you lack visibility into where your recruitment ad dollars are really going? There's a better way. Acquire ROI is a programmatic job advertising platform built to optimize your budget and supercharge hiring. Acquire ROI automatically manages and measures recruitment ads across job boards so you can allocate your budget based on insights, not hunches. Get to quality candidates faster and cost-effectively scale hiring across roles, all while gaining complete visibility and control over your recruitment marketing investments. Say goodbye to manual guesswork, inconsistent performance, and wasted spending. And hello to optimized automated campaigns that produce qualified applicants. At Acquire ROI, we make job advertising easy. Visit us at acquireroi.com and start transforming your talent acquisition today. One of the things that you didn't mention in terms of what goes into um, calculating salary is location. Certainly in a work from home world, we're in Paris right now. A lot of companies are here doing comes. specifically oh, here it comes. You know, <laughs> where you live and, and it doesn't matter. We can employ everyone. And and Chad and I go back and forth on this. You know, a developer in Toledo, Ohio shouldn't shouldn't command the same wage as a, a developer in, in Silicon Valley. I feel like the world is moving to Chad where it doesn't matter where you live. The job is the job is the fucking job. Where are you on this issue in terms of geographic location and pay equity? I'm sad to report I don't have much of a dog in the fight on which is the correct thing to do. I think it is employer-specific, right? Like, I feel like it really is. I hate to um, bail on on that (laughs) issue, but, like, I feel like it's employer-specific. Like, look, if you're you're running a retail establishment, you're running a restaurant or a hotel— you're, you can't, like, you have to pay attention to market and cost of living, right? Because if you're hiring people to be your front of house manager in Ohio, it's yeah. different than your, your FOH manager in New York City, right? Like, yep. you can't hire, like, you have to account. So certainly there's variation by jobs. If I'm hiring a developer, why do I care if you're in Palo Alto versus, uh, you know, a small Pueblo in Mexico? Like, who cares? You're doing the job. The job's a job. Yeah, yeah but, but. We just did a story on a, a little organization called Freshy in Canada, yeah. where they're actually using iPads to, for order takers right behind the register, and those order takers are in, anywhere. in Nicaragua. Oh, geez. So they're paying them three twenty-five an hour. When obviously it's 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 and no much, Canadian much more for them. Yeah, I no feel Canadian. like that's a global <laughs> policy problem, right? Like this is this is the problem with having like really low rent wages in developing nations and technology allowing you to do stuff like that. But this is also true with tax, like tax regimes. Like you have this similar problem with like favored nations issue with taxes, right? Uh Because like, you you know, some countries have like really, really low or no taxes. And of course they become tax shelters that empower organizations to be tax free 
and have an organization like in one of those countries, but then operate in the United States where the tax rate would have been much higher to avoid taxes. It's the same yeah. kind of concept. That's a policy like regulation issue, I think. Like, I don't know how to fix it. Probably there is no way to fix it. All the crystal balls are telling us that the economy is going to shit soon, or <laughs> if it hasn't already. <laughs> he's, he's such a bright, shining star. Hey, I just keep it real for the listeners. How real. does that impact pay equity? Do companies care less when they're laying people off? Like, we're going to pay you whatever the hell we can't, you know, what we do. It's, you know, suck it up. It's a bad economy. Like, where does that all play out with Cindio's technology and, and where you... Look at the world. Yeah, that's a good question. So um, obviously, we, we track these things, pay attention to them very carefully. We just did um, a survey that's, I think, you know, a report you can download from our website or something that shows like 50-something percent of companies still care and are increasingly caring about pay equity, even in this economy and looking forward. So I think, again, it's the confluence of pressures. If you think about the confluence of pressures, you've got legal compliance. Transparency is part of that. You have HR. So how do you attract and retain talent? And that's a big component of it, because if you have a tighter talent market, how do you keep the people you love? And then the PR, like if you have ESG and PR, if you're not doing those three things, I think those things together make it such that even in a down economy, maybe for some organizations, you have to pay attention to this even more. There's nothing more personal than how people are paid. Like it is a primary exchange of work. Like people are saying your time is valued at X amount. Tell me any exchange in this life that is more clearly an empirical valuation of how much you're worth. Like it's literally saying time is the only thing you can't exactly. make more of. Jeff Bezos can't buy himself more. Well, I guess he can buy himself a little more time on the yeah. earth. Yeah, yeah. But like him and Walt Disney, <laughs> <laughs> other than transferring your conscious to like a robot or something like this is it. I got like X number of the years. The penis rocket is going to bend time and space. It's going to bend time and space. But until that moment, and I'm working on a time machine, I'll let you know when I get it done. But like until that moment, <laughs> like how much I get paid for my time is so personal. It's so personal to everybody. Anyone who says work is not personal is lying. It's personal. And how do you retain your talent if you're not paying people equity? The, the thing I always mention to people, just, just observationally, if I told you, and you can ask anyone this, think about it yourself. If I told you, hey, you're at your job now, I have bad news, you're paid under market. What's the reaction to that? Some people react by going, oh, okay, that's not great, but like, I don't like that. Uh, maybe I'll look for, I'll look for a LinkedIn for another job. Uh -huh. If I tell you, hey, I have bad news, you're paid 30% less than people at your job because of your race or gender or ethnicity. Most people, when they hear that, are posting their job on, they're on LinkedIn that oh, yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. They're, they're like, burn this place down, F this. They're looking for they're a They're quiet box. quitting. They're out. They, or they're mentally out, or they're like, they're checked out, or they're angry, or they're looking for a plaintiff's lawyer. That's a different reaction. So internal pay equity, if you're trying to attract and retain talent in a bad, a down economy, yeah. there is no better way than doing it and then showing that you're doing it right. Okay. So I, I agree 100%. I think the, the time is the key. You're 100% right. doesn't matter how rich you are. There's still only 24 hours in a day. Exactly. It, does, it doesn't matter, right? That's and the only thing that's constant. But like these ideas that you're going to like win people over by putting a pool table in or giving up having a pizza party, <laughs> like anything I see on social media is so reacting against that. It's like, thanks for the pizza party, guys. Like I'm way underpaid. Why is everyone hating on pizza parties, man? I, <laughs> I mean, you I love pizza. Like pizza, but who doesn't like pizza? I just Nicole. think people would prefer to get like paid fairly and equitably before they think about having a two slices of pizza. Well, I'm, I'm going to switch gears entirely. This industry has never been so fucking noisy ever. There HR are so, tech? Yes. Yeah. So many point solutions, so much AI, ML, every fucking acronym that's out there. But there's a lot of this shit that is just, it's, it's total bullshit. And it's <laughs> based off of 
you know, shit that just doesn't make sense. Vaporware. You've you've watched this industry. Give us your take on some of this. You know, I I used to love going to conferences, and this is like maybe five, six years ago. Uh-huh. Walk down the halls and talk to vendors, and they'd say, "We have proprietary AI." I'm like, what is it? <laughs> like, what's your? Pro- I'm a data scientist. Like, tell me like a little more detail. And they're like, "Proprietary. It's proprietary. Cool." Finally, you get to the bottom of it, and it's like just a random force. It's like something literally that's like on Wikipedia. And, and I've been at conference where I pull up my phone on Wikipedia. I'm like, is this what's your proprietary thing? And I show up my phone. It's like on Wikipedia, the method they're saying is proprietary. You're that guy. I am that guy. Okay. And they're like, uh, yeah. Okay. So there's a lot of nonsense. There's a lot of BS. I think there's a lot of companies that are built on very kind of tenuous, like you're right. It's like vaporware or it's like they, they start building stuff out, and it's not really solving a solution. That's, it's just kind of there. Yeah. It's like graphs for the sake of graphs. One of the things that I'm strong on in our product development is like there is nothing in our product that doesn't have a specific use case that answers a specific analytic question. Like it asks and answers a specific question that then you take action on, like actionable insights. I've seen so many things that are just like a graph. And I'm like, what do you do with this graph? Like, what do you, okay, cool. It's a pretty picture. What do I do with that? They're like, well, this is insight with the AI and then talking around nonsense. Like who's paying for that? Like I don't get why people buy it other than having a nice graph. Well, that, that's the question. So as a company who's spending money on tech, right, trying to build their tech stack, there's a lot of noise out there. How do they see through the bullshit? That's the hard part, right? It's really hard. I mean, and I used to do a lot of this when I was at uh, the law firm I worked at. I, I helped vet a lot of the HR tech companies. It's hard because you need someone who speaks. There's a compliance component, too, because some of, oh, these, God, yes. some of these entities I've seen are like really problematic from a compliance perspective. Like They're doing things that are either illegal or likely biased or problematic from whole host of like compliance perspective. And then also the math and data science is often problematic. I think, I think we've evolved a lot since those days. And I think things are getting better. I think vendors are getting wise to that. And I think the sales cycle is forcing them to. So you have more like legal and sales cycle, you have more compliance and sales cycles that force them to pay attention to these issues. I think the best tech money can buy. So talking about the business still, you guys have raised around $85 million, a series C round. What can we expect in further fundraising? What kind of runway are we looking at if the economy goes to hell? <laughs> what have you done with the money that you've raised? Talk about the business. It just all goes to me, just in my bank account. Nice. <laughs> nice. And it clearly goes into your wardrobe. It's good to be the king. <laughs> Hold on, you're wearing a t-shirt. I got a sweater on. I got a- yeah, yeah. That's we bad. haven't raised $85 million. That's so all maybe we guys. should. We, maybe we should. <laughs> no, but it goes right to my wardrobe. That's right. Um <laughs> This is this shirt is like this sweater is uh, eighty. Don't million. be so defensive. <laughs> we make jokes on the show, Zev. Roll with it. It's okay. Don't worry about it. I'll just cry myself to sleep for a few weeks. Uh, you know, don't, don't worry about my mental health. You don't have to worry about that. I get it. You guys are as long uncaring. as you're paid equitably. You're hard and uncaring people. Yeah, and I respect that. Yeah, I respect that. We have a substantial amount of cash and reserves, so we're using that wisely. And, and to be clear, Maria is the CEO. I'm not the CEO. I I hang out and do math and build some products and get on He's podcasts. avoiding and passing the buck on the uh, You had the Marianne. Question. Why didn't you ask her this question? I feel like <laughs> a, you can bring her back if you want. She'll give you the investor relations update. <laughs> Is more money going into the science? Let's talk about that as the science guy. For sure. We're an R&D focused company. And I think we ha- we're always a step ahead. Like one thing I really love about how we build is like we're looking ahead and building things that are a little bit cutting edge. Like when we built PayEQ, like this was at a time when companies were saying, like everyone I asked before I built PayEQ was like, that's our pay equity solution. I was like, nah, bad idea. Don't do this. This is for statisticians, labor economists, experts, software for this. Bad idea. Yeah. Like these HR people can't handle 
access to this kind of stuff. It was all that kind of negative nonsense that I didn't listen to. And we are the industry leader in this space for a reason. We've been doing this for a long time. Yeah, great. Because everybody else is using Excel spreadsheets. <laughs> it's fucking horrible. It's hard to do what we do. I think some entrants in the market have taken for granted how hard it is. But that notwithstanding, I think the things we're building next, the things we're R&Ding now are like that. Like we're looking ahead trying to build to things that make sense, that are deployable. Our product team has a strong discipline around building to things that are solving a specific problem and doing it in a way that's very actionable. Like, I don't like just showing you information. Like, who cares? That's not helpful if it's not solving a problem and showing you how to fix the problem. And by the way, this isn't just HR tech. I feel like a lot of tech where I've been asked, like, look at it or see it or look at it. I always ask the question, what does this do and what do I do with the information? And if someone can't answer that question very clearly and succinctly, why are you paying money for it? Like, I don't get it. But yeah, we're growing. Um, I think even in the down economy, like I said, we're very good stewards of the money for sure. And we're not just like, I don't think we ever were just like spending to grow, like for, for the sake of doing that. Very R&D focused, very focused on like how to build out the next piece of tech in a way that's that's smart and wise and saleable um, that solves problems. Personally, Zev, I am a huge fan. That's it. That's all the time we've got Zev, now. Zev, Egon, <laughs> Igon, oh, everybody. Wow, Computer wow. guy the at Cindy. data stud. Except for our listeners who want to know more about you or the company, where would they go? So the website, S-Y-N-D, Sind.io or Sindio.com. I think we own that now too, which is exciting. So Sind.io and I'm just uh, just me. Just some dude. Just a guy. Zev. Another one in the can. <laughs> we we out. out. Thank you for listening to what's it called? The podcast. The chat. The cheese. Brilliant. They talk about recruiting, they talk about technology, but most of all, they talk about nothing. Just a lot of shout-outs of people you don't even know, and yet you're listening. It's incredible. And not one word about cheese. Not one. Cheddar. Blue. Nacho. Pepper Jack. Swiss. So many cheeses, and not one word. So weird. Anywho... Be sure to subscribe today on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. That way, you won't miss an episode. And while you're at it, visit www.chatcheese.com. Just don't expect to find any recipes for grilled cheese. It's so weird. We out! Welcome, change agents, to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit fuel your purpose and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience, and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission? That through these stories, we might just spark change within you and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts.